In the, uh, in the 90s when MTV actually played music, I remember sitting on the, the sofa listening to uh, Joan, it's not Joan Baez, Joan Osborne, uh, sing that song, What If God Was One of Us? And I'm like, that is intriguing that our culture, at least she is asking the question, which is kind of the, the springboard to our question this morning, is Jesus really God or is he more like uh, the folks in the bumper video where He's someone to follow, he's a joke uh, to laugh at, or he's sort of uh, maybe the first among equals and not much different than other religions. I mean, to say you have the, the, the corner on truth is, is, is pretty narrow-minded. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, if something's true, it kind of has to be narrow. It has to exclude other things. And so you get the sense, like you, you know this, you're in your world, that when it comes to religion, uh, you know, you, you kind of stop inviting the guy out to lunch at work when he's like super like, you know, Jesus is not equal among other religions. He's better. It's like, okay, Billy, calm down. It just seems sort of civil uh, to say that Jesus is equal to other gods. And at the end of the day, with all the fighting on Facebook and social media and politics, I just don't want to argue anymore, right? You kind of get that sense. The problem is, all the other religions don't want to be equated with Jesus. All the other religions have their own viewpoints of Jesus, counter to the way in which Jesus described himself or believed himself to be in the New Testament. And if we're honest with ourselves, because why wouldn't we be? This is church. We tend to pray like my favorite theologian, Homer Simpson. Uh, we are Christian. We go to church, but when life feels like it's caving in, or in a second, in Homer's case, a rhino is chasing after us, uh, we say things that we may or may not believe, but we go to great lengths to look for relief, don't we? Take a look at Homer's prayer life and notice what he says. Oh, thank you, God. And thank you, Porter John. You really saved my. Stop! Who's out there? I'm gonna die! Jesus, Allah, Buddha, I love you all! That was funnier, guys. Wake up, all right? You're not drinking coffee because our coffee's pretty strong. I love that prayer. Jesus, God, Allah, Buddha, I love you all. Somebody save me when my world feels like it's crashing in. He prayed a prayer that I think a lot of our friends and maybe you believe that all religions are sort of kind of equal. Can we just get through Thanksgiving without discussing God, Donald Trump, or other politics, right? Or maybe you do because that's how you want to separate yourself from your family. But here's the thing. Other religions have their own views of Jesus that are not similar it's sort of like Chris Farley, fat guy in a little coat. If you had a t-shirt that said, Jesus is God, and you would ask other religious leaders of different religions, would you wear the shirt? They would say, no, nah, that, that's not going to fit on me. I don't believe that. So what do other religions say about Jesus? Ravi, R-A-V-I, you're going to want to write that down. Ravi Zacharias cool name, R-A-V-I, is an apologetic, apologetic guy. He's a baller. Uh, if you're into apologetics, why you believe, science, medicine, theology, 
you need to watch every lecture he does, buy all of his books. He wrote a book called Jesus Among Other Gods. Uh, and I used part of that for this sermon. You're not going to see quotes from him in this, but it was sort of the, uh, the breath of preparing for the sermon. And if you're interested or have friends that think that Jesus is equal among other religions, uh, that, well, that's not true, and I'll, I'll show why in a minute, but he helps us think through that, not, not in a way that we can lord it over people, but we can have intelligent, ha uh, helpful conversations. So let's look at some of the major world religions and how they view Jesus. What about the Jehovah Witnesses? They do not believe that Jesus is God. They believe that Jesus is a created being, an archangel. Now, biblically, that's true, that angels are created beings. Problem with that is, Jesus claimed to be God who created them. Does that make sense? Jesus is not the creator of the universe. He's a created being. Jesus is an angel who became a man. What about Mormonism? Uh, Jesus is not God. You're kind of getting the sense, this, there's, there's a reprieve here, right, that Jesus is not equal to other gods because other gods and other religions don't want him to be. Because then they lose the corner on their truth, right? Mormonism believes Jesus is a man who became God and shows other men how to become God. This is the first lie of Genesis chapter 3 Bible quiz. What did the serpent or the devil promise Adam and Eve if they ate the fruit. You would be like God. And, Mormon, and Mormonism says, we agree. Now, you're not going to see that in the commercials, but that's what they believe. They believe that Jesus, like us, so we're equal to Jesus, so that's step one. Don't, I don't, you know, I don't want, I'm not saying that. And then the point of, the point of Mormonism is that we be good Mormon boys and girls, and then when we die and we're good enough, we get to be God and get our own universe and planets to rule over. I'm not making this stuff up. I was living in Salt Lake City in uh, the summer of 2008. Kind of an interesting, it was only there for three months, kind of interesting time in my life. I went to the non-Mormon part of the place where they let you uh, check out the temple, and there was an artist's rendition of the universe. And so you look up, and there's this massive dome. There's Jesus, there's planets, and there's stars, and there's family members hugging, sort of like um, an artist would do a rendition of the Christian view of heaven, right? Uh, moms crying, little girls running, dogs coming, you know. Yes, dogs will be in heaven, cats will not be. Um, <laughs> sort, of, sort of the same thing. But when I look down at the, the families looking up, they were crying because that's where their hope is, that they could be God someday and rule their own planet. Where I was living was nicknamed Happy Valley for all the drugs people were on for their depression. Where I was living outside of L.A. and different parts of California, per capita, it was the largest place where women, more than men, uh, underwent plastic surgery because in Mormonism, the man has to call you up to his level of heaven dependent upon how he lived his life as a Mormon. So it's super oppressive towards women. That, that's for free. Sort of a side, side project here. But I know I have a lot of friends that are Mormon. You have friends here that are Mormon. Here's the difference between a religion and a cult. Jesus. A religion says Jesus is not God. Okay, great. That's Judaism. That's Islam. They're not cults. 
a cult says, no, no, Jesus is God, but also here's the final point in Mormonism, Jesus and the devil are brothers. And there's a Thanksgiving meal I want to go to. <laughs> See, a cult says we believe that Jesus is God, and technically speaking, they would say that. The problem is he was a man first, and then he became a god. Unitarians do not believe Jesus is God, but yeah, he seems like a nice guy. He was a good man. Uh, the Baha'i faith, one of my favorite humans and actors, Rain Wilson, is a part of the Baha'i faith. The Baha'i faith does not believe Jesus is God. Uh, they believe that Jesus is a manifestation of God. So if you are a religious leader of other religions, you are equal to Jesus, sort of like a buffet line at the Golden Corral. You are just a manifestation of a representation of God. In theology class, hang with me, don't fall asleep. This is called trajectory theology, meaning over the course of a time, an idea that seems so primitive would catch up to culture. Are we preaching yet? And so anybody in the Baha'i faith or any religious leader of any other faith, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, or what doesn't matter, they're all manifest manifestations of God and what God must be like. But according to the Baha'i faith, Jesus is inferior to Muhammad and the Buddha. And Jesus is third on the divine food chain. Hindus believe that Jesus is not God. You kind of get the refrain, right? Jesus is an enlightened man and a good teacher. What about the Christian scientists? From the founder's lips herself, Mary Baker Eddy, Jesus Christ is not God. Stop saying that all religions are equal. We do not believe that Jesus is God. We believe that he claimed to be God. We also believe he's psychotic. Islam believes that Jesus is not God. They believe that Jesus is a prophet of God, which he is, is, is true. He, the people said he was a prophet, and he didn't deny that title. But they believe that Jesus is inferior to God's supreme prophet, Muhammad. Mahatma Gandhi once famously said, or infamously said, I am a Christian, a Hindu, a Muslim, and a Jew. That's so 2019, right? Looking at all religions with an equal eye, we would not only, thank you, not hesitate, but would think it our duty to blend into our faith every acceptable feature of our faith. So religion, according to Gandhi, is sort of like a salad bar, okay? Grab a little bit of Judaism, a little bit of Hinduism. We love Rain Wilson. Grab a little of the Baha'i faith. And it's sort of all this this, this salad bar of everything is everything. The problem isn't that Christianity is too narrow-minded. The problem is that other religions don't want to be in the same category as Jesus is God. Jesus says, I am God. Other religions say, no, you're not. Sit down. So what does Jesus say about himself? I, I feel like at church... Uh, we should let the guy who claimed to be God, whether you think he's psychotic or not, or a lunatic, uh, we should let him speak for himself. So I'm going to give you, we only have time for five, because the, uh, the kids' ministry volunteers will kill me if I go longer than five. So I'm going to give you five things. You can write this down on the back of your program. They're also on our website, rccsalem.com. Swipe left till you see Explore God. We always put sermon notes and life group discussion questions on our website by Thursday heading into Sunday. First thing Jesus says about himself, I'm from heaven. Uh, I don't know about you, but I came here from Salem. Some of you came from Pelham, from Wyndham, from Haverhill. Some of you drove 30 minutes to get here. God bless you. Some of you drove 30 seconds to get here. 
Uh, I've not yet received, our staff team has not received a card yet that said John Doe, location heaven. Uh, but because you guys are fun and funny and sarcastic, I'm probably going to get three or four of those today. <laughs> Jesus is the only religious figure that said, yeah, I'm not, I'm not from here. So your concept of homelessness, think about this. Your concept of homelessness is really not like, that's foreign to me. Of course I would be homeless because I'm like not from here. I'm not tied down to a location, which really ticks off religious people as you later find out and you read the Gospels. And, G- and, and Jesus, <laughs> in John 6, 38 through 41, Jesus says this, I have come down from heaven. No other religious leader has said this, ever. Uh, not to do the will, uh, not to do my will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. So now he's like super humble. I came from heaven, not to do my own thing, not to build my own platform, not to get all the social followers, but I'm here to do the will of my dad. My dad sent me here on a mission. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all of those he has given to me, but raise them up on the last day. Talk about his death, burial, resurrection, second coming, end of life stuff. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son, me, and believes in me shall have eternal life. I will raise them up on the last day. Talking about like the end of days, not when you die. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Already out of the gate, Jesus is saying, religion says man has to get to God. The gospel says God comes down to man. Do you know why religion is such a drag and causes PTSD, did you know that? Religion caused, when I went through Galatians uh, heading into last spring, last Easter, I had about five conversations of people that had PTSD due due to their childhood church experience. It was all about rules and do, 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 and if you don't, God will send you to hell. See, I'm letting the secret or the cat out of the bag. The trick to religion and the way you manipulate people is to let them think they don't know where they're going to end up until after they die. That's not true of Christianity, although pastors who are weak at preaching say that. Islam, Judaism, Mormonism, the Baha'i faith, Christian Scientology, that's a whole, oh, that's a whole other trip. Scientology, I forgot about them. That's a whole other conversation. All tell you, you kind of don't really know what's going to happen until you die. Because Why? It's an easy way to control you. Jesus, if he's God, is the only guy that said, I'm God that's come down from heaven for your good. I've come down from heaven, not because I wanted to get away from heaven, but right from the get-go, my father has asked me to be obedient even to death on a cross. And if you believe me in this life right now, you can know where you're going to end up. Because, like, I'm from there. I'm from heaven. Every other world religion says it's all morality, ethic, and behavioral based for us to get to God. Christianity is the only world religion that says your righteousness, your best days are like filthy rags. Your ability to be good and moral and nice and put a smile on your face and a song on your head, in your heart is so offensive to Jesus that that too caused him to go on a cross. 
See, we only think in terms of our sin that put Jesus on our cross. Even our attempts of being a good moral person put Jesus on the cross. And yet Jesus is saying, I am the God that's come down from heaven. If you believe in me and follow me and let me develop you, oh, you're, you're definitely going where I'm, where I'm from. But all other religions say you got to work at it and you might get in. I mean, think about, the, I'll just real quick, think about like with, with Mormonism, I'm so fascinated by that cult, the cult. Like, especially if you're a female, like everything you're doing in hopes that your husband will call you up to heaven, like this should make you cry. Like you have friends that follow other religions or aren't religious at all because let's be honest, sometimes religious people are weird, but they've never met Jesus. And so there's these other good things called religion that aren't ultimate things that are distracting your friends from Jesus. The second thing he said is, I'm not a good man. Oh, it's offensive. Jesus said, I'm not a good man, but I am God. There's a, um, there's a wealthy young man, religious, uh, a wealthy young man that comes to Jesus. Now, parents, this is a guy that you probably pray for that your daughter meets. He's good looking. He's got that, you know, conservative comb over. He's got, a lot, he makes a lot of money. You know who those people are. Makes a lot of money. He goes to church every Sunday. In this context, he's Jewish, so synagogue. And he knows his scriptures. This is the kind of guy that you hope your daughter says, I met a guy in, in college, and I think we're going to get married. Now, Notice the conversation he has with Jesus. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Okay, we've got to stop there. The phrase fell on his knees before him is the Greek word proskeneo, where we get the English word worship. So when you prostrate your face, when you prostrate yourself before somebody, his face was literally on the feet of Jesus. And if dirt, if the wind caught his face correctly, dirt would have like danced across his nostrils. So right at the beginning, you got to love religious people. We're pretentious sometimes. But before he, before he asks Jesus anything, he, he, he gets on his face and says, I, I'm going to worship you. Now, that's a good start. But if you're like me or any other human being, sometimes we have ulterior motives when we go to Jesus. He says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This guy's a Jew. What do you think he hopes Jesus says? Oh, well, be a nice guy. Uh, observe the Torah. Uh, if you can, go to rabbinic school, be a rabbi, and you'll inherit eternal life. Because that's what Judaism teaches, is to follow the Torah and to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, because God is a God. He's one. Not the Trinity, but he's, he's one God. But notice what Jesus says. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. There's a bunch of names on the screen behind me. And uh, we've got Charles Manson, Oprah, your grandma, Mother Teresa, Dr. King, and Hitler. If you had to arrange these names in order from probably the most civil human being and the worst, you know, uh, waste of matter and breath, the worst person in the world on this list, how would you arrange that list? All right, don't say anything out loud. Uh, definitely if you put your grandma at the bottom, uh, you're going to have a tough Thanksgiving. <laughs> but this is what the rich young ruler is doing. I'm a good religious boy. I follow the rules. I go to church every time the doors are open. I give 90% of my money. I live off of 10. If that's you, let's talk after church. 
I'm a good Christian boy. I'm a good Jewish boy. The problem is, um, Jesus says, don't call me good. He says, only God is good. And so what Jesus is saying in his breath is, listen, young man, if you're ready to call me good, you're a suck-up because you're on the, you know, worshiping me right now. Not, not in truth, but to get something out of me. But if, if you're ready to call me good, you have to be ready to call me God. Because only God is good, son. I'm the God you're talking to. And so we get into these pragmatic categories of us and them. Politics does a great job of this. And we otherize people. This is how Jesus views us. It's him and everybody else. Yep, Jesus says you're in the same category as Manson and your grandma. Because for Jesus, it's not good people and bad people. It's I'm in a category unto my own self, and then there's everybody else. I am not good in the ethical sense that you think a good person is. I am good in the ethical sense that I am God. And in my divine nature flows out of me my goodness. Son, if you are ready to call me good, then you have to be ready to call me God. Jesus never, look, I'm fine if you walk away here and come back and and you're like, you know what, I'm not going to become a Christian today. That, that, that's, for me, that's fine. I just want you to know what you're walking away from. And my job is to tell you the truth as best as I understand it according to Scripture. Jesus does not give us room to call him a good man. He does not give us room to call him a good teacher like other religious leaders. The only word he allows us to say of his personhood is that he is God. He is either God or he is not. He is either God or there is atheism. He is either God or some other religion has the quote-unquote corner on truth. I know some of you are here processing this with me. and, and I, Jesus claims complete divinity, nothing else. So he is who he claimed to be, or he's the sickest psycho and sociopath humanity has ever known, even worse than Hitler, even worse than Manson, and maybe even worse than your grandma. He's a disgusting human being for saying he's from a far place to have divinity, to do miracles, and to say Horrible, wretched things like I'm going to rise from the dead three days later if he's lying. Thirdly, Jesus says, I'm the son of man. This is a great Jewish phrase used over 60 times, I believe, in the New Testament, 80 times in the New Testament. Uh, Daniel was written 600 years before Mark 14. I'm going to read a text out of Daniel and a text out of Mark 14 that uses this language. In Daniel 7, 13 through 14, Daniel writes, In my vision... At nine, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man. So Daniel is saying, I went to sleep, and in my dreams, I saw the Messiah. Okay, so this is written 600 years before Jesus is on planet Earth. I don't know who it is, but I saw the Messiah coming with the clouds of heaven. Now, that is an entryway, folks. Daniel is talking about when the Messiah returns for the second time. 
Jesus was born in humility, but he's going to come back in power. He approached, the, he approached the Ancient of Days, that's a Hebrew reference to God the Father, and was led into his presence. Jesus was led into the presence of the Father. That may not mean anything to you now, but hopefully if I do my job, it will in five and a half minutes. He, Jesus, was given authority, glory, and power by who? Other religious leaders? No, by God the Father. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion, that's a good word we're going to explore, is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This is how Daniel, we believe at RCC that Jesus is the Messiah, God in flesh, Son of God, Son of Man. This was written 600 years before Jesus was on this planet. Notice what got Jesus crucified in Mark 14. But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest, like the, the top dog of the religious community, is talking to Jesus. Are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one, using the same language that Daniel did? And he said, I am. Actually, he said, ago a me. Actually, he said to Moses in Exodus, when Moses says, what do I tell people? What is your name? God in Exodus said, Ago, I am that I am. That was Jesus talking to Moses. I am, said Jesus, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One. And notice this, now he's borrowing language from Daniel 7. Coming on the clouds of heaven. Will he come down? It doesn't doesn't matter. What he's talking about is talking about his power and his authority. If he comes on a cloud from heaven, that's awesome. I'm going to put that on Instagram. But what he's talking about is coming in absolute authority and power. The high priest tore his clothes. That's one way to have a debate. He tore his clothes. He was so angry. Why do we need any more eyewitnesses? He asked, you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. Did Jesus come to die for our sins? Yes, but what he did in real time, what got him crucified, was making the claim that he was God. I don't know about you, uh, I have zero tolerance for pain. My wife makes fun of me all the time. If I'm not God, I'm saying, sorry, like, don't, don't, don't put a spike through my, um, one of my pressure points between the ulnus and radio bones. Don't, don't put my legs uh, my, well, my one foot over my legs and drive another spike through. The, I don't want to do that. My mom doesn't need to see that. Like if I'm not God, I'm not making these statements. But Jesus seems to be uh, consistent with this. And what he's challenging the religious leaders and what he's challenging with us today is the reason why we don't follow Jesus, attend church but not follow Jesus, the reason why we don't get baptized is because we want dominion over our lives. We want to rule and reign. We want control. And Jesus says to the high priest, the guts that he had, I am God. I'm in control of you. I'm in control of this synagogue. I'm in control of this Roman providence that we're standing in. I'm coming back. I don't want to do this, but I will drop the hammer on you if you don't let go of your life. I came from a poor family, Mary and Joseph, you may have heard of them, in humility. But when I come back, oh, you thought Chuck Norris was, was bad? 
I'm coming back with the authority of God. It is not my heart to spend eternity away from you, but don't get it twisted. Life is not a story where you're the main character. I am. The Bible is not about you, it's about me, but it's written for you that you would come to find and follow me. So what about you, guys, RCC? What, what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to? That Jesus, man, you, better, you gotta let it go. You're not in control. You're buying the lie that the world, it's your world and we're living in it. And Jesus says, you may think you're in control with your little view of who I am, but I'm coming back. And when I do, I'm taking those who are followers of me and judging the rest who aren't. Is this heavy? Yes, it is. But I'm telling you the truth as best as I see it in the Gospels. I'm coming back. What are you holding on to? And don't let this moment, which is so powerful, I feel it in the room, go away from you. It's like, oh, that's a nice theological, theoretical statement. No, it's going to happen. That's why last week was so important. If the Bible's not historically reliable, this is a joke and I'm out of a job. But if Jesus is telling us the truth, then what do we have control over? What about our jobs and our six-figure incomes? Where we're believing the lies that we have comfort in those. Our retirement accounts, we have comfort in those. Jesus said, what are you holding on to? Let it go, man. Fourthly, he says, if you don't believe my words, watch my actions. Uh, in John 5, 21, Jesus says, Just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he pleases to give it. Jesus does whatever he wants. <laughs> in other words, what he's saying is, if you don't believe my words, watch my miracles. Jesus did not perform miracles so that he would win American Idol, or America's Got Talent, sorry, old school phrase. Jesus performed miracles so that in them you would come to believe not the miracle, but what he said with his lips. Right? We want miracles, don't we? We want that extra check to pay our bills. We want that extra wine at weddings, don't we? But God, the divinity piece, oh, I don't know. I kind of like my life the way that it is. And he's saying, if you struggle with my words, watch my actions. Two more, then we'll be done. Number five, he says, I am God. Pretty straightforward. I and the Father are Echad, one. He's using that Jewish Hebrew word Echad to say, oh, that's about me. And he goes on to say, again, the Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. Again, we're okay with you turning water into wine. We don't like the whole God thing. If you follow Jesus, you will have conflict in your relationships. If you follow Jesus and you're married to an unbeliever, you will have conflict in your marriage. If you follow Jesus and your kids are not following Jesus, or they are, but you're not, you will have conflict in your family life. There's something about Jesus that causes a visceral reaction from people that don't follow him. In verse 32, Jesus says, I have shown you many good works from the Father, my miracles. Which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any good works, they replied. We love the extra wine, amen, but for blasphemy, because you are a man and you claim to be God. Really? You're going to kill me for a sentence? But look at all these things I've done for you. Look how pragmatic I am. Aren't I your homeboy in those t-shirts? 
Jesus says, I'm God. In John 1, 1, John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. In the Greek, what the writer is saying, that Jesus, who is the Word, was with God, literally means Jesus was face-to-face with the Father. Now, I don't know about you, but any son who sits close to his father watching a TV show or Netflix or a sports channel to catch up on life would indicate to me that the son and the father have a pretty good relationship. So Jesus is allowed to speak on behalf of the father because of the intimacy of the relationship that they have. Paul in Colossians 2.9 says this, for in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. I love Twinkies, just not now because I'm trying to lose weight. But for me, inside the Twinkie is the good stuff, the filling, the cream. What Paul is saying in the Greek language here in Colossians is whatever it means to be the stuff of God, the filling of God, is literally, well, metaphorically, you, you get what I'm saying, is, is inside of the person of Jesus. Now, that's not to say if you go to Boston General and they run scans, you're going to see divinity in Jesus' DNA. What he's saying is, whatever it means to be God is inside the person of Jesus. Pretty powerful stuff. No other religious leader claims that because they know it would cost them their life. Lastly, Jesus says, I'm sinless and I can forgive your sin. In Mark 2, 5 through 8, Jesus says, or the story goes, Jesus saw their faith He said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law, religious leaders, the pastors, the Bible college teachers, were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God? Which is the point, right? And I love this. Immediately, Jesus knew what they were whispering. You you ever, like, try to share a secret and realize your whisper level is probably too high? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Question, is it easier to say, uh, paralyzed guy, get up and walk? Or is it easier to say, your sins are forgiven? It's easier to say, dude, get up and walk. Because you don't know if your sins are forgiven until what? After you die. And Jesus is saying, I am the God that can forgive you of your sins. And if I'm telling you right now your sins are forgiven, they will be forgiven when you die. The gospel comes down for you. Religion says you have to go to God. And if Jesus is telling the truth, there is no other God coming for you. Let me say that again. If Jesus is telling the truth, and I love religion, and I love history, and I love first century history, then that means there is no other religion who claims that a God is coming for you. According to Jesus, you can clap, it's fine. According to Jesus, it's either him or atheism. That's heavy stuff. You love your friends. I love my friends. I don't want to be weird. But this is important. It's important to you, and it needs to be important to your friends. Jesus is saying, no, this isn't in the Bible, but as I was praying through this sermon, this sentence question came to me. I can forgive your sin. I'd like to spend eternity with you. Would you like that too? I just, I don't know, I was praying over this sermon, and that's the question, and hopefully that can be helpful to you. 
Jesus is the only God who claims to have the authority and power to forgive our sins. Here's a big idea, friends. The divinity of Jesus is an invitation to experience the lordship of Jesus. What do we mean by lordship? We mean dominion. We mean actual control and power of our lives. If Jesus is God, then it's an invitation to be ruled over and to be ruled by the most beautiful, generous, kind, good, don't get it twisted because I'll backhand you, (laughs) kidding, kind of God. The God that loves us so much that went after us not in our morality, in our goodness, but because of our sin to save us. There is no other God coming for you. There is no other God coming to save us. Today, after the service, is our next baptism class. If you have never been baptized, if you've never given your life to Jesus, would you take a moment to fill out this next step card. I can't bring it out because my whole sermon's going to fall out, but you get it. It's in the seat back in front of me. You just take a moment to fill it out and drop it off at the connection point. In two weeks is our next baptism Sunday. If I could be so bold, let me just encourage you. It's time to let go. Let go. You don't have to be in control. You don't have to deal with the trauma alone. You don't have to deal with the broken relationships alone. You don't have to deal with the hurt and the pain that you're carrying alone. Jesus wants to walk with you. That's why I believe that Jesus is telling the truth. Let's pray. Jesus, thanks so much for um, an invitation to consider some of life's biggest questions. We have a lot of friends that don't believe this, And so would you give us the grace and the wisdom and the humility to not be weird, but develop a relationship where there's a level of trust that people are willing to kind of have a conversation about this. Um, God, we're, we're just so mad and angry of how religion turns people away from you, keeping them caught up in this trap of trying to be good enough, better enough, and memorize the Bible more, do this or do that, and you've called us not to do, but to be. You've done all the doing. You just want to be with us. And so if that speaks to anybody this morning, Jesus, I would just ask that you'd give them the courage to make that next step, to go public with their faith and to be baptized. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.